0: Before you get up. into that, how long yes. how long had you been chasing this deputy before she finally pulled over and stopped? She, how long did we talk about? She ran
1: about three miles, three or four miles. So, I so mean, I mean was, there's there's no ex- at that point. You, oh, no no yeah. You're lit up. You got sirens yep. going. Yeah she she even goes over a four lane divided highway you know and it, like blows it. And wow. So yeah, it was really crazy. And she's telling me she's going to some call. So my partner Brian Jenkins shows up now. This and I'm glad Brian shows up because he was a he was a Guthrie Oklahoma police officer before he was a trooper. So this is you know he's like oh and he knows this old gal. He goes let me go up there and talk to her, and so Brian goes up there and talks to her. He comes back to me. He goes dude she's lost her mind. I don't know what's wrong with her, and and so at this point she's on her cell phone bag phone I remember uh, making some calls. Now I don't have their radio frequency. So I'm not hearing what's going on, on the, on the radio traffic in the background, but everybody else does. And she's telling people that I have a gun to her back and, and, or I had a gun to her back and, and is keeping her from going to, to a call and Sheriff Johnson gets on the radio and says, I want that trooper arrested. Uh, I don't, I want to set up a roadblock and do not let him leave there. I didn't know this was happening. I'm just kind of hanging out, waiting on my supervisor and this is going down and people start showing up that I didn't even know were working. And, and to Well, you know why
0: people are showing up? They want to see the shit showing for What's? No. get me some popcorn, fellas. Yeah.
1: So there's five or six troopers showing up. I'm like, man, what's he goes? So what, man, what happened? I'm just like, dude, I'm <laughs> trying to stop this old gal. She said she's a deputy and I didn't know really what to do. I called my supervisor. And so by now there are, I mean, there's two members of our tac team that, that overheard it and they're coming. Cause they're like, uh, you know the the way this sheriff is talking on the radio, like uh, he he's gonna arrest his trooper, and these guys are like, nah, that ain't happening. You know. And did
0: you know this sheriff before?
1: No, never, never heard of him. No, he was, he'd been there for a long time, and never met him. And so by the time he gets there, there's about nine troopers there and about nine deputies. Holy roughly. cow! <laughs> and everybody's just kind of standing around nobody's really doing anything. And of course I don't know what's normal and what's not. I mean, I, you know, I'm just kind of taking this in, you know, and I'm leaning against the car and, and Sheriff Johnson shows up and this is classic. And I, I'll tell you what people got their own versions of this, but it's, it's pretty accurate. He shows up and, He's, he's saying, this is a conspiracy dating back many, many years. You guys have always been against us talking about the highway patrol. and He goes, where's that trooper at? And, and, and I asked Brian, I'm like, is he, is he like, think he's going to put me in jail or something? What does he he want me for? And he goes, dude, just don't say nothing. And, everything gonna be fine so he's like was it you and he's pointing at all these different troopers was it you was it you where's that trooper at and he and i made up my mind i said this guy's really emotional he's really mad i'm thinking if this joker thinks he's gonna put his hands on me i'm gonna knock his teeth out you know there you go and he (laughs) comes he comes up to me and and instead of saying is it you he just kind of looked at me and i looked at him and then he goes well, by golly, this is a conspiracy! And He just walked away because I, I, I was the <laughs> only one left.
0: <laughs> so, Branson, give everybody—you yeah. played defensive tactical. Give everybody a, yeah. an idea. How how tall are you? How much how much were you weighing at that point? Well,
1: at that time, I you know I was six four, uh, you know about two fifty five. <laughs> you know. So, and the sheriff yeah. was like what five foot nine, 160? Yeah. Oh no, he was he was your regular Buford pusser, you know, top guy. He was big old fat guy, you know, and and uh, but you know his. I Wayne can tell this story a little better that he's got a son that, that showed up in the war wagon. It was like some camouflaged old military surplus wagon, you know, uh, junior or whatever his name was. And, and, and they showed up, but the best part of this whole deal, I'm I kid you not. I couldn't believe it when it happened. There's a, there's a retired trooper. I can say, uh, uh, Ron Hamilton was his name. I'll never forget this. You remember those old mini 14s, you know, uh, yeah, the Ruger, old, Ruger. Mini Ruger. yeah, yeah, man, he's standing there kind of to the side of everybody. And he's just kind of holding this mini 14. <laughs> he hadn't said nothing to nobody. <laughs> and the truth and Sheriff Johnson, and this is a center point. He says, he says, well, by God, somebody's going to jail tonight. and, I, mean, I kid you not. Ron <laughs> Ron Hamilton racked around in that mini fourteen. You know how loud that is. He says, Well, I don't think so, boys. All you deputies need to kinda of move over there on that side if we're gonna go down that road. And he starts moving deputies over on the other side of the road and kinda of like, This is the line you're not gonna cross and, and and I couldn't believe it. it's gonna ha- it happened, you know, and and so it, it kind of disappeared dissip- by then the old gray haired lieutenants are showing up and and they're they're having off the county road conversations and everything kind of piped down but and he just come up to me my supervisor uh jerry lawson he's like uh he <laughs> he and i can I, i'd do this if he was standing right he stuttered he said uh, uh branson uh, uh what uh, what the, uh, what the hell, uh, uh what, what, what the hell happened? <laughs> and I, I told him what happened. He says, um, and he's not going to listen to this. I doubt he's got a Apple phone, but he's, he said, uh, just, uh, uh write down what uh, happened and uh, we'll talk about it tomorrow. <laughs> and, and so I wrote, I wrote what happened and well, sure enough, in the, in the weeks and months to come, they end up, uh, Indicting or or forming a grand jury on 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 Sheriff Johnson on some other matters, and end up calling me as a witness on on that specific thing, just kind of talk about how crazy he was. But but yeah, it was it was it was nuts. What eventually happened with the deputy? You know what? I'm glad you asked. So I never. uh, Her name was Janella Spurlock, and and I never. I she was going. She was actually going to a, a death notification of a suicide or something. She wasn't doing anything of emergency nature. But here's how life, this is what life will give you every now and again. You know, you grow up and you have these, this is why you always got to treat people the best you can because I'm coaching, let's say 10 years later, 15 years later, 15 years later, I'm coaching a little league baseball team. And the grandma of one of the kids I'm coaching is Janelle Spurlock. (laughs) No kidding, no kidding. You can't make this stuff up. And so I'm just, you know, I don't talk to her. I don't, I don't dislike her or anything. She, she lied on me. You know, she told, she said some bad things about me. But I, whatever. I look over there one day, and her and my mom are chummed up on the, on the, uh, <laughs> on the, on the, in the bleachers. Next thing I know, we're going to dinner together with her. Oh my and, god! And so you know what? I, I mean, I just one day after dinner, I'm like, hey, it's good seeing you. Gave her a hug and. Shoot, I I see her all the time. I mean, she's crazy, but you know, I love crazy. So <laughs> but that's <laughs> why so, I mean you never know what's gonna happen, you know. So I exactly gotta right. tell you, I have never heard of a standoff between the patrol and the sheriff's office. <laughs> that's yeah. a first. Yeah.
2: That's a first.
1: It's a real deal. And I'm telling you, when that when that two two three round went in that when it went in the hole of that Ruger, buddy, it things got serious.
2: <laughs> well, it's like that's like racking a shotgun. That gets everybody's that,
0: attention. I'm telling you. Well, yeah. Spe- speaking of racking a shotgun, I got a quick divergence. So when I was a rookie, talk about rookies. One of yeah. your first, one of my first nights out on my own, we get a burglary call at the Dillon's Food Store on East Iron in Salina, Kansas, and I'm going, "Oh, great! I think you know, I get, I get to go in." And he said, "No, you get to stay outside." So me and another guy, we're staying outside. Two veteran officers go in. One's got a right. shotgun, you know, and they're they're going through. And about four or five minutes later, we hear kaboom, and I start to get a, shots fired. No, no, he goes, no. It's 10 4. It's 10 4. Come out. And he's (laughs) this veteran officer's got this look on his face. Well, what happened? There's one other sound in those old grocery stores that sound like somebody racking a shotgun and that's the ice maker dumping ice. He heard that <laughs> ice maker dumping ice, thought somebody's racking a shotgun. He turned around and blew up the ice
1: maker. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. I,
2: well, now I got to tell one story and I'm not going to mention his name because he's a dear friend of mine, but this was back in the 1970s. And uh, we, we out on patrol and went up to check the, the country club, the local country club there at nighttime. And sure enough, there's a window broken out, you know, and you don't know where they are inside this whole massive building. And uh, so we called back up in, and uh, my buddy comes up. He was a sergeant at the time, and, and uh, a couple guys climbed through the wind, and we were doing the outside perimeter. So when they bucked, you know, when they blew out through the door, we'll be able to run them down. Well, sure enough, the guy comes, the, the crook comes out and hits that screen door, and it goes back and hits the side of the wall, makes a loud sound, takes off running across the golf course, and you hear, kaboom, halt. <laughs> Stop, police! I'm like, hey, didn't you get that a little bit backwards? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, a little bit, ba- a little backwards.
0: That's <laughs> uh, West Virginia. Everything's yeah. backwards. Uh, yeah. Everything's
2: acceptable there, brother.
0: Well, I t- I, so how did you? So you said you testified in a grand jury. So what they end up doing with Sheriff Pusser?
1: <laughs> man, he he ended up resigning. Uh They what I kind don't of think stuff they, did they have on him? Uh, man, it was uh, it was a lot of. A lot of misappropriation of tax dollars, uh, a bunch of craziness that I wasn't even a cop when he was doing it, and you know they they put a grand jury together to I think just to get rid of him, you know, and and uh, but they got a great sheriff there now in Rogers County. So, yeah. So, so no
0: more conspiracies?
1: No, more no, no, no. That was a blip on the map. I'll tell you, my wife still has the newspaper. It made the front page of Tulsa World. And <laughs> and it was in Hungary. Oh, you're that guy? I'm like, really and truly. It
0: Steve, was, th- we got to encapsulate this. This is, this is a contender for story of
1: the year, and you can't make this shit up. So. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. I t- and, 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 and each trooper has its own, has their own little, we were, we were doing this and we heard on the County radio, this traffic. We're like, Oh no, this, this ain't <laughs> happening tonight. Oh. We're-
2: <laughs> at the end, so after, at the end of it, I mean, the, the lines have been drawn yeah. and you got depths on deputies on one side, troops on the other, who called it?
1: Man, I think, I think most Southern supervisor did. He's like, you know, just everybody kind of agreed to, uh, you know, he took old, old Buck Johnson aside and started talking to him and settled him down and everybody just kind of went their own way. I mean, it was, I don't think that would ever happen again. It was like the perfect storm, you know, and, oh, at end of the day, there's of that. no
0: excuse. I mean, even if you're a cop or whatever, you're going to do that. Number one, you don't got to be driving like that. Number two, yeah. th- I mean, at a minimum, it's reckless driving in addition to felony. Was yeah. would that? I don't know. Do you guys, did you guys have felony fleeing and eluding in that day?
1: Not, not then we didn't, uh, we do now but then we did not i mean you just got kind of tuned up and that was your felony you know for running
2: from the police you know? out of respect you stopped for each other
1: yeah and yeah, yeah. And it was you know it was our own personal vehicle i mean it was it was crazy so well, that's the other thing personal well
0: and just when you thought you couldn't top it right so just uh, <laughs> so well hey but let's 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 get into some of your interdiction work because there's a story we're going to talk about related to your interdiction work but you Know you, as we know too, people have confused interdiction because they confuse profiling with the big capital P versus profiling with the small p, right? You know, and there's I remember, um, we started our first, uh, I was actually one of the original four members of the Highway Patrol's interdiction unit. We started doing that back in like 86, 87. Actually, Murph DEA came out, a guy named Barry Washington, Oliver, uh, he was out of the DEA office in Wichita. Oh. Oh, okay, um, Troy Derby. Um, trying to think of some other guys anyway, but they, they came out, we started working on this. That's where we started learning about Epic, started getting, you know, access to that. You work with Kurt Simone? Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't work with him. He was in a different area, but yeah, Kurt ended up, um, he was one of the top guys in Kansas and actually ended up running the unit up there. I, well, I'll tell you, I think it was him. This is how, this is how screwed up these, even the drug traffickers are, but they had uh, taken off a semi, had a bunch of dope in it. Um, and they actually did a controlled delivery. They brought out, I think it was a star lifter um or something, but you know, DEA brought it out. They loaded it oh, up yeah. on that yeah. doing a controlled delivery. Well, these bad guys thought the dope was in the uh like the highway patrol headquarters, our little Department of Transportation blocked buildings with really no security on them. So they show up one morning and the building is torn apart. They think they think that they were storing you know, 300 kilos of dope, yeah. you know, in a, <laughs> a stone building.
2: Yeah. Uh, in storage unit. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, uh,
0: but, but anyway, I digress. So, uh, but, but let's talk about that because there's, you know, I remember too, um, uh, there's a guy named Jeff Faison, I think out of Florida was one of the top people, one of the early people. He was doing a lot of stuff on I-4, I think it was. I mean, they were just, do- just left and right, just arresting people. And as we know too, we, and you and I were talking uh, when you, had to go poop and you couldn't do the uh, the episode. So <laughs> um but we were talking about Operation Pipeline in Highway 54, a huge track. Yeah. People don't realize in the Midwest there's these huge corridors. I'm kind of setting the stage because um, you've got like uh, – actually, US-81 is the only north-south unbroken highway in the United States. goes from the Mexican border to the Canadian border, runs right up through our area. you got 54. You've got interstates. And then at one time, actually, uh, Steve, I don't know if we talked about this. Uh, I was working one night. One of our guys – was further east and he got called to it. I had to stay in my area. But DEA was tracking a plane with the King Air, flying in, landed in a little county called Gray County. Why? Because during World War II, the Army Air Corps built a lot of these Mm airfields and they would come in and land. Well, they had sensors set up. So uh, long story short. So, I mean, we start, that's when my mind started expanding. It's like, man, there's a lot of shit going on. So let's talk about that. There's a lot of shit going on and your guys are starting to do interdiction. When did OHP... Oklahoma Highway Patrol, we say OHP for those of us inside baseball, those of us in the know, Mm -hmm. you know, when did the patrol start getting serious about doing interdiction and what what kind of precipitated that? What was going on? Uh, Was it you said before 9-11, you were starting to do this, but
1: but what changed? So really, you just had some men that just stepped up and and really went against the culture of the highway patrol as far as what their daily duties were and Which men was like writing
0: tickets and truck riding,
1: inspections drunks and all that yep. and so there's got to and change the tire Yeah, 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 yeah all that good for,
2: stuff
0: for them dea so like, agents who run out of gas and <laughs> needed somebody to help That's
1: right, yeah. That's right. So, so there's you know one in particular again I mentioned him earlier Mike Plunkett and then uh, Barry Ross Jim McBride Jim Siler these guys were kind of in around the Oklahoma City metro area and a little bit on the outside and and they would they would. Uh, I, you know, probably just more so their natural abilities to talk to people, you know, probably is what profited them. They weren't, you know, they weren't receiving a lot of training, you know, back in the early 90s and, and just making those contacts out on the interstate system and, and, and don't kid yourself money's what drives things, you know? And, and when they started getting the attention of the, of the administration, when they started, you know, seizing uh, large amounts of cocaine and large amounts of money and, and they're like, well, this is, this can be an organized deal. Um, uh, a guy named Gary Hornback, um, uh, was, was integral to it as well. And, I, I was watching this happen, and and my my what drew me to it is do you remember do you remember those old teletypes that that would come out over the the pipeline seizures Operation around pipeline the country and they, yeah,
0: yeah. status reports and updates yeah
1: so what I did was I'd go to headquarters at the beginning of my shift and I they print those things off and put them on a clipboard so I started taking them home because I was the only one who was looking at them and I'd highlight. You know, kind of the guys' names, and that's how I learned about the the Robbie Bishops, and I'll close talking about him uh, of you know Georgia, the the you know Tim Caldwell of of North Carolina, of of North Carolina, um, Joe David of of California. I mean, all these guys around the country like hitting these big loads. I'm like, man, I want to learn how to do that, you know. And so I started signing up for. Some it's just whatever class I could sign up for, just so I could go jump in the car seat, the uh, passenger seat with Mike Plunkett, and learn uh, there in Oklahoma City metro area about about drug smugglers. You know,
0: wasn't it amazing back in the day? Is that if you really wanted to do something like said go against the culture, it usually had to come out of your pocket and you had to it do did. it on your own time. Uh, I remember doing that with search and seizure training. I mean, learning the law. Yes, interviewing. I mean, it's, we ended up doing the stuff on our own time.
1: Yes, no, hundred percent. I, and I'll tell you what, the very first time that I rode with Mike, uh, you know, Mike's a little bitty guy, real unassuming. I mean, and, and i tell you what, he's a just phenomenal, uh, uh, interdictor, but, but I remember riding with him and, you know, I 35 center of Oklahoma city, all these cars going by and he pulls out and I'm like, what do you, what'd you pull out on? He goes, yeah, well, I don't really know yet, but hold on a minute, you know? And, and then he ends up finding the vehicle. Um, um, looks for some, you know, some body language and this and that. And and I, I'll never forget the very first car we stopped. Uh, I got out and 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 mind you, this is in 1997. I've only been a trooper about a year or two, a year and a half, two years. And so he walks up to this Cadillac and and to the driver's window and and he looks back at me and he's grinning. I'm like, I was quick, you know. Next thing I know, this fellow's coming out of this Cadillac, and he's he's got like polio, and he's got these 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 crutches that you hold with your hands, and he's his legs are all bent up, and he's holding a, a urine bag in one hand, and and he's walking him back to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to jail. He's what are we have doing? Change his colostomy bag. Yeah, isn't yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah that hasn't happened yet. But I'm like, what in the world is going on here? He says, uh, he says, Branson is, uh, and he kind of leaned him up against his push bars. I'm like, what are, what are we doing here? I I don't understand. I'm going to be fired, you know. And, And, you know, of course, I'm leaving. out. I've already had a standoff with (laughs) the sheriff's office. I don't need this shit. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So and I'm leaving out some stuff, some time. He talked to him. But anyway, I'm kind of speeding forward and he pulled him out and he gets his dog out, runs around the car. I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm getting fired. There's no reason why we ought to be searching handicapped people, you know, and and is what I'm thinking. Man, he pops the trunk. And there is a backseat compartment in this Cadillac had 178000 dollars in it. I'm like, <laughs> are you kidding me right now? You know, now did you, was the dog trained also hit on cash or just drugs? No, just just drugs. Yeah. So that was and then many interdictions came from that. And well, hold and on, I let's
0: you. let's not bypass that one too much yet. Yeah. Walk us through a little bit. What was it about it that he saw that he told you about to train you? What was it he saw that said, hey, there's something here?
1: So the very first thing that the guy told him it, when he walked up, he's like, uh, you know, sir, this is Trooper Plunkie. This is why I'm stopping you. Um, and he had his his, and I didn't really understand this at the time, but as I matured, I kind of understood more more about people and what they do to evade, you know, the truth and 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 whatnot. But he had this this urine bag sitting on his on his leg out in the open. He's like, uh, he's like, where are you heading? He goes, Well, I'm looking for a bathroom is what he he told Mike. He goes, Mike says, well go. And <laughs> I mean like, what, what do you do? He like, go. Well, uh yeah, I'm I'm just I'm just looking for a place to stop, you know. And so he said, you know, nervousness, anxiety was really, really uh you know, apparent parent at the onset of the stop, very early. He goes, but, you know, normal people that have a, a, a urine bag or whatnot are not going to show it, you know, openly show it and lay it out to a police officer or a stranger, you know. And that that kind of started his suspicion towards this fella. And, and it turns out he was a, a career smuggler. And, you know, using his his disability as, you know, most police officers, 99% of them, they're not going to spend time with somebody that, that's got that. Funny
0: you, know? you mentioned that because this goes back to – we do a Patreon uh, side to our premium side, and we actually had a question, Murphy, member from Michelle, Kid Tackerberry talking about mm-hmm. one of the guys was – talking about a story about body-worn camera, but seeing two guys stop. They were dressed like salespeople, but they had a load of dope in there, and they said, well, they, you know do they do stuff to try and throw you off or disguise their intentions? We say absolutely all the time.
1: Yeah, you know this is time. a perfect
0: example of it. I oh mean, yeah, they will even rent guys, single guys that are smuggling will rent a mother and two kids to make it look like mm-hmm. we're the happy family going to Disney or a Wally World. Yeah. Which, by the way, yeah. just so you know, it's closed. Park out front's closed. Booth out front should have told you. you
1: know. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, I've, I've run into those things, you know, and that, that is, uh, yeah, definitely run into all what you just said, and, it, and especially after nine eleven, it was it was insane the different types of things that we would run into that would try to. You know, he also
0: talked to us about too because people won't believe this. Like when I got consent to search, you know, people people say, "Do they really give you consent to search?" Oh, and yeah. It's like, yes, they do. And you know, I one do. trick I learned, I quit saying because people instinctively want to say no. Like if you're out trying to look at a car or whatever, people want to say no, you know? So I used to say, you know, you know, certainly you don't have any objection to the war on drugs to you. Certainly you don't have any objection to us doing our job. Well, would you have any objection if I searched a car for guns, drugs or large amounts of cash? So I would always try to turn a yes, you know, no into a yes. But yeah, but to, in your experience, I mean, how many on a regular basis, how many people gave you consent?
1: You know, I, I would say probably 90% of the people that I dealt with gave me consent. And I think it was, pers- it was, it was more, specific towards me. I, you know, one of the, my strong points is talking with people and, you know, apparently I, not after it, the deputy story,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I this was a lesson. Okay. I had to learn.
1: but you know, I've had defense attorneys tell me, you know, one guy in particular in federal court, um, you know, before our, our suppression hearing, he's like, you know, Branson, I don't know why that I asked the guy, you know, why'd you give him consent? He goes, you know, he was so nice, I had to, you know. And, <laughs> and I, I mean, and and really I as I matured and and, and learned how to talk with people and, and was not you know, I kind of, I kind of put the hat in the trunk, you know, and, and, and just, I, I had, you know, I remember being in court and they're like, how tall are you trooper? How much do you weigh? You know, you were imposing through You were intimidating my, my client. You threatened right. them with your physical, pr- yeah. and if you put the
0: hat on the campaign
1: hat, it yes. makes you about
0: three to four inches yeah. taller.
1: So I, you know, I kind of had to undo all that and, and I really I really found that, you know, you really do get more with, with, uh, and, and it's a lot of it is, you know, once you learn, this is what I teach guys, you know, and this is a really good principle that it's not that you get really good at finding bad guys, but you get really good at knowing what the innocent motoring public is like. And, and, and when you know what's normal and when you know what what innocent people how they react to law enforcement and how they interact regardless of their race or their their culture there is a there is a consistency with that and then when you run into a criminal then then you're going to have you're going to have it's going to be very apparent that that this guy is a bad guy and, yeah, and spend a little bit more Very time. different, yeah. So that's kind of.
0: Do you remember that video? Uh, you you can find it on YouTube. But it was a Texas DPS trooper, kind of a big guy like you, and he's talking to this guy, and he's saying, "Now." Son, you happen to have anything like this? And this, you can see this guy getting nervous, and yeah. all of a sudden, the guy just
1: vapor locks, and he falls into falls the ditch. In He's going to
0: go. I'm going <laughs> to take that as a yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, I, I have. But uh, well
0: let's let's talk about let's talk about. Let's set the stage now, because based on this, uh, you had the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU, come after you.
1: They sure did on one of these yeah. cases.
0: So let's talk about that case and, and you know walk us through it. What happened? What was going on? Um, you know, and take us through it. Yeah.
1: So uh, me and my partner were working um, on I forty out in eastern Oklahoma, um, and really and truly, there's when you talk about this stop, it's like any other stop. Um, as far as like one that we would spend a little time with and, and, you know, I, uh, I, I saw a guy's name's Rosano Gerald was his name. I'll never forget his name. Cause he took up about three years of my life, but, um, he had his 12 year old son in the car with him. Um, he what was, was the a, reason uh, for the stop. Uh, he didn't use a signal when he's changing his lanes from one side to the other, um, in, in traffic there and on I-40 and, um, I bring him back and, and of course, you know, um, going through some different questioning, you know, explain to him, write him a warning and everything. And, and just, uh, very high anxiety, nervous nervousness and whatnot. He kind of told me he had kind of a kind of blaming his nervousness, anxiety on, on like a mental, uh, you know, uh, uh, medicated situation that he, that he had and, and, um, uh, uh, kind of give me a silly story about what he was doing and, 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 um, the fact he was in the army and, and anyway, I ended up spending some time with him. I had my, my partner come up. He ran his dog, dog alerted to the car and, and we searched the car and, and I think we were on the road. We were on the shoulder total from beginning to end, probably an hour and 20 minutes, um, after we had searched the car and, and put everything back and, and, um, uh, you know, nothing really exciting happened. He didn't really give us a hard time. Um, but you say the dog, but the dog did alert though, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what kept us hooked up, kind of searching the vehicle. There was a, an aftermarket alteration of the floorboard that we spent some time in that was empty. There wasn't anything under it. There was a, some sheet metal that had been put up in the floorboard that uh, was like, so a you decent. obviously,
0: I mean, the, but the point is the dog alerted on something and it had actually had been transporting something. You found a concealment that is not that, I mean, that is not a normal, Right. Um, you know, that, that's indicative of smuggling.
1: Yes. Yeah. So we, you know, everything that we did, you know, we were hitting the numbers, you know, just, we were, we were, we were just, we weren't just fishing everything. You know, that's not everything we did. We did, uh, for a reason. Um, and we didn't keep him any longer than we needed to and didn't find anything and let him go. Um, and, a few months later, um, the department gets um, a uh, deal from like a judge advocate's office at the Army that, that this guy is filing a civil civil tort claim against me and the Highway Patrol and and, and why is uh, he going and,
0: through the Jag office?
1: I don't know. It was really strange uh, the way he did that. Um, they wouldn't have any authority. No, no, but it was a big long letter, and it was from them that I, you know, that I profiled him. And it, if you if you go back, and this was in nineteen ninety eight. If you go back and and look at the kind of what was popular, you know, and you know, Pennsylvania State Police, New Jersey State Police, Illinois State Police, all these ACLU was really really deep into all those departments for for uh, racial profiling and everything uh this thing took on a life of its own um they 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 contacted mr gerald i find that all this stuff out you know after the fact but they contacted him solicited him represented him and uh um they he he had made some claims um on that traffic stop that was just out of flat out lies that, that we had um um, scared his kid with our dog and and hey, turned the heat, time, heat on. Were you guys
0: and, and equipped with anything like in car camera?
1: Yeah, we were. Um, we were at the kind of the infant stage of it. They were almost like they were like handy cams, you know, kind of mounted. Um, uh, my tape ran out. Um, my partners, luckily, did not. So we had his. Um, and were but, you mic'd up too? Could they hear what you were saying? Or yeah, were, when it was on, yes. And uh, so this this deal took on life of its own, man. And and uh, they they end up filing a lawsuit um, against the department and me, and and you know, of course, their main goal was to was to get a a a. a Oh, what he, uh, it's like keep, a summary, some kind of a summary, summary
0: judgment, judgment or, and, and get some quick money and be out of there.
1: Quick money. And then also, they wanted us to report our, our, uh, our uh, stops, yeah, your statistics to them from there on out. So, the one thing that there's two guys, my, my troop commander, Jim McBride, which was a, he was a great interdictor, but his leadership, um, uh, and what he had started doing a year prior was he kept all of our written warnings you know everything was written in right and he had kept kept all of that so we already had a statistical breakdown of the vehicles that we were stopping the race and everything of people and so we we had that up front and and kind of showed you know them that what we already had well, then they they started soliciting people that I had stopped, which ended up kind of backfiring on them, you know, and they'd send them letters. And then those people would send them, send the highway patrol letter saying, Hey, I didn't appreciate ACLU calling me this. Yeah. This guy searched my car, but man, he sure treated me good. And I don't have no problem with him. And it kind of backfired on him. But this deal lasted about three years. Um, uh, Bob Ricks was our commissioner at the time. And if you remember, Bob Ricks was, was, uh, was over the Waco deal with they, you know, with FBI. And, and I tell you what, that man, um, I'll never forget him calling me at my house. And it was a, it was a pretty stressful thing for me. And, um, he's like, Hey, you know, I I read the internal affairs report, and I wanted to talk to you. You know, is there anything else that ha happened? Maybe you didn't talk about. It. I said, no, sir. He goes, well, I just want you to know, you know, I've got your back, and and you're going to get through this thing, but it's going to be a while. So, and I I tell you what, that that meant a lot, and I oh, tell yeah. you what he did. He, matter of fact, the Diap conference in St. Louis, uh, I think it was in ninety nine What was the kind of conference was it? The Diap conference. The it was a. The, the large interdiction, uh, yearly conference that happens every year that diet sponsors, he was one of the speakers and he talked about, um, uh, talked about that. That's the whole racial profiling thing. And, and, uh, he really supported me, but, uh, but we end up getting through that about three years later. Um, but, you know, but-
0: Let's not fast forward to the end too much. Yep. Let's kind of talk about what's on. Oh, well. Real quick, too, let's talk about the structure. You said he's the commissioner. So how is the Oklahoma Highway Patrol structured? Because, for example, in Kansas, the governor appoints the colonel. They're trying yes. to change that to they report to the AG, but there's no, like, Department of Public right. Safety. What's it structured like in Oklahoma? So
1: in, in Oklahoma, the governor appoints the, the commissioner, and the commissioner uh, oversees the uniformed and non-uniformed. Uh, the civilian and the commission. So you got the, the commission would be the highway patrol and, and then the non commissioned just any DPS employee. And the commissioner oversees all of that and they have a cabinet underneath it and everything. So they're kind and, of like the superintendent then. Yes. Yes. And, and the chief is appointed, it, it is, is appointed by the commissioner as well. So, you know, I, I had some really good support there. Um, you know, of course, you know, they, they, Interviewed me, went through their steps, and 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 got got into my life pretty pretty heavily. When you say and, they, and who's they? The, our internal affairs, uh, and and then the department hired a a law firm, Crone dunn Levy. I'll never forget. And they they uh, they spent a lot of money to p- protecting the department and me. And, and did you end uh, up getting
0: a? Did you have to sit for a deposition with ACU? And I,
1: and I tell you, that's a big part of like when I teach classes, like. Um, I realized at that point, and so this had rocked along for about about two and a half years, and and I I went through some changes during as far as like you know uh, like if you ever are a police uniform police officer and you go out and do your shift and you're like all right I'm not I'm not going to stop any minorities that's like are you kidding me I mean how how can you do your job and and like okay I'm not going to stop any minorities I mean. That it's very I mean instead of just going out and stopping cars you know and doing your job you're having to worry about that I kind of went through that and I finally just like you know what the heck with this I'm just gonna go do my job and don't worry about you know race creed color any of that business and 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 deal with what comes well and,
2: and I'm sorry to interrupt yeah, you but no, just was, if for for guys that would consciously make that decision that's a form of ra- uh, profiling, right? Racial profiling.
1: It is. It, it really is. And, you know, and kind of jump around here just a second. You know, one of the things that the, 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 the last thing the federal judge said at the end of this whole thing was was the very thing that the ACLU was, was accusing me of doing. They hired college kids to go out on the interstate and say that the interstate had this racial breakdown. And they would go out there and say, "Yeah, that car is this race. That car is that race." Like, how do? You, and and the, the judge is like, "Look, you're 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 accusing Trooper Perry of, of, of and your data ca- comes from assigning people to go out on the interstate and say this car has this race, this car has this race. If you can't show me that Trooper Perry treated." this individual any differently that he treats anybody else. And I don't, we don't have nothing more to talk about.
0: So here's an interesting question I always used to do, because I used to get that too. You're just stopping me because I'm X. And I say, well, you're just saying that because I'm white. Exactly. Um, Because at at 10 o'clock at night, they're coming at you at 75 miles an hour. You're coming at them at 55 miles an hour. That's 130 miles an hour closure. I said, I must have some pretty damn good eyes to be able to spot you at 130 miles an hour and know exactly what race you are and what you were doing to turn around on you. I mean, you're stopping the car, not the person. That's right. Once you stop the car, then you deal with the person.
1: That's right. At hundred percent. And then that's where the drug courier characteristics come in and 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 what and who you spend your time with and who you don't. Innocent, modern, public, you know, United States, so close, that that whole thing. And – but – but rock, rocking along through that, back to that deposition, you know, I realized real quick that this had nothing to do with me during that deposition. Nine and a half hours of that definition, defin, deposition was was they started with my high school transcript. Went through college, um, and then they they put down like the diet. Remember the books that diet made with uh, They they wanted to know every name of every instructor, every they they want to know every agency that's ever taught on me a anything. fishing expedition. A- absolutely, like, I tell people like when I teach classes to to this day, you know, I the fact I'm up here teaching you means something. Don't go out and be stupid and work because. Because they they they'll kind of, you know don't don't take what I tell you out of context. Make sure you apply it appropriately. Make sure you listen to what we're talking about here and get it. Because you know I've been a part of one of these things. So the last thirty minutes of that nine hour deposition is when they very first started talking about the actual traffic stop. They didn't talk about Rosano Gerald for eight and a half hours. They talked about me and my training and who trained me and and so matter of fact during one of the breaks. Um, The the ACOU attorney told me, he goes, You know, True Perry, he goes, You're not you're not the the guy I thought you were you you're a pretty nice guy and I mean I just want to throat punch that guy you know because <laughs> you, you you've 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 dominated two and a half years of my life at that point you know but here's where my boss and having great leadership like everybody wants to get involved in like a narcotics unit or a interdiction unit or whatever but if you don't have the right leaders it's not gonna last I'll, I'll never forget going down into the parking garage and getting in my 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 Tahoe. And, and the day before this deposition, I had seized about thirty forty thousand $40,000 from a African American guy from Phoenix. And, and I'd gotten back on the horse and started making seizures again. Um, and, and Jim called me, he's like, well, are you done with your deal? I said, yes, sir. Uh, how'd it go, man? I think it went good. I'm real pleased with the way it turned out. And he goes, well, I hate to tell you this, but um, that money you seized yesterday. I said, yes, sir. He said, that guy has the ACLU of Arizona calling and they want to join this lawsuit. And I'm like, you know what, Jim? Um, I think I'm done. And so I, I drove an hour and a half. I don't even really remember getting home, but I'm, I've i never quit anything in my life, Murph. I, I just, and I walked in the house and my wife, I, I remember like it was yesterday, she's sitting in the recliner and I told her, I said, Hey, I'm, I'm done. I'm turning this thing in. And, uh, and, and she's like, okay, I'll do whatever you want to do. And, and, and so I told Mc, um, Jim McBride that the next day and he's like, Hey, I just want you to take some time off. And so I took about, I took about two weeks off work and then, and then, uh, and this is when I knew like, I decided, okay, I'm going to give this another shot. So I went out the driveway about two weeks later and went to on the radio. And one of my partners was in pursuit and man, we got in a heck of a pursuit crash, guns, drugs, fight, the whole nine yards. And I'm like, yeah, this is, this is what I need to be doing. Absolutely. And so it, it was, it was reinforced, you know, it just took some growing on my part. Yeah, but you know, but
0: you bring you know. up a point though, too. It's like people don't realize. Um, I fortunately never had to go through that, but I know guys who did, you know, and it's like, and to your point, they don't realize how it hangs over you. I mean, you didn't know about this for a while, but then how long from the stop until you got notification that the ACLU was involved? How long of a time? About three about three months. Okay. So from that three month for during that three months, you're like, Life is good. I'm back to doing yeah. what I've always done, right? Working. Yep. But then the minute the paper drops, life changes because now I don't want to say this is what you did, but I kind of have an idea. This is probably what you did, right? You start overthinking things. You start second guessing guessing some stuff, right?
1: Yes. All the time. I mean, it was, again, I I tried to control. Okay. I don't want to get in trouble. Like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to have another lawsuit. So, and so you don't do your job. You don't deal with people appropriately. And, and then you become a a liability really. And so it it was, it was quite uh, and i tell you what, you know, my, my faith really, you know, I had a lot of non-cop friends that, men that, that supported me during that time. And, and, you know, my relationship with the Lord, uh, definitely was key in like just trying to figure out who I was and, and not really worrying about things I couldn't control and, and just going out, you know, and just doing my job. Yeah, this is, uh,
2: and, and our listeners have heard us talk, Morgan and I talk about this before that, um. Law enforcement is a calling. It not everybody can do it. Not everybody has the temperament, the patience, the mindset to do it. You know, and it ain't for uh, the pay. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. You don't. You know, do you're, it for the money. you're
1: right, Murph. You know uh, that matter of fact, my my work verse, Colossians three twenty three. Everything you do, in word and deed, do it all in the name of the Lord, not into man. Uh, and, and what I tell young police officers is, if you better. And I tell you, anybody who's listening to this, you better figure out, you better have a conviction of being a police officer. If you, if the depth of your calling is a photograph or a trophy shot, you're not going to be in this job long. Right. You better have a deep conviction of why you're here because times are going to be rough, and you better have something that's going to keep you.
2: You know, the the DEA Academy has started to bring in uh, – this year has started bringing Javier and I in to speak to the – we call them BATS, basic agent trainees that are going through the DEA Academy. And we do our little presentation for a couple hours and there's Q&A and, and somebody will always ask you, do you have any words of advice uh, for these guys that they're still in the academy, but some could be graduating at the end of the week and some could be in their first week of a 17-week academy. And And my advice is two things. Don't ever give up. If you're going to be a quitter, go go somewhere else. We don't need quitters in this job. And the second is... If you think this is a nine to five job, you are definitely in the wrong place. This is, it's not a job. It's a lifestyle yeah. and it's going to affect everything in your life, including your wife and children. So, you, you know, you got to be willing to commit. Um, I believe that that our priority should be God, family, and the job. But the truth is we get it completely backwards. Yeah, we do. It's the job, it's the family, and then God. So, uh, and I, I don't mean to, to be on my little pulpit here no. preaching or it's anything, it, but that's my personal beliefs and and uh it truly is a calling.
0: Well when you start passing around the collection plate, Murph, I'm gonna have to <laughs> stop you at that point. Well,
2: <laughs> the, church, the Church of Murph is father's 20%.
0: Hey, well let's let let's kind of finish up something philosophically too, because um this is something that has, it's like, I've asked, had people ask me this and we kind of got said, you know, if you were asked to come back and serve, would you do it again? You know, at our age, it'd be in a different role, but we're kind of getting to that point where you start thinking about is that knowing what I know now and the way things are all now, would you come back and do this job again? And it, it, things have gotten so tough out there for a lot of our first responders, for our people in law enforcement. Um, there is, I think, I think hopefully the the pendulum is swinging back a little bit. People are realizing, hey, look, man, we have to have cops. We have to have police. Just the same way you have to have a fire department. You have to have a, an ambulance, right? Emergency medical, right? Uh, but I think this relationship has been affected by a lot of things, by negative media. And the other thing, too, it's been affected by, imagine, for you folks listening out there, imagine having your life turned upside down and drugged through the mud for three years. Mm-hmm. And every morning you wake up, what's hanging over your head? ACLU. You wake up the next morning. What's hanging over your head? ACLU. I mean, it's tough to do that. So, you know, you're you like me. You come from the Midwest. There's people are different out there. Values are different out there. Um, but how do we how do we approach this? How do we look at this? How do we change things? Because my belief is the public has a responsibility to it. Just don't look at the cops and say, "Hey, it's you." No, I, I'm watching these videos. They just there's a video yesterday. I'm seeing. Um, of people pulled a guy a DoorDash driver just delivering food. They pulled him out. They started beating the holy hell out of him and stole his car. And I mean, I'm talking not just a couple of people. There were like 15, 20 people. What, I mean, I, I kind of went off on a rant there. I apologize of uh, uh, divert you know digression, but I, I'm just kind of looking looking at what you know now, what what needs to change? What what has to happen?
1: Man, I I think we have to to stick to our convictions. Um I don't, you know, evil is very apparent and is not going anywhere. Good men need to stay in this job. And, and I, I would say that like leadership in these departments, they, these departments really need to invest in, and in know how to find genuine leaders. Uh, and, and, you know, I, that's one thing that I've seen, you know, success, in, you know, breed success. Having the right men and women in place to lead other men uh, is, is paramount. The only reason we survived, um, outside of the grace of God, of, of this lawsuit, our department was we had some really good leaders, and and they didn't budge. I mean, in the midst of it, they supported the men. We still had a program. We still have a program to this day. Um, it was never dismantled. Um, I just really haven't. You know, I'd say good leadership and conviction and and knowing why and being able to intelligently talk to the public of what the police officers run into. And I'd say probably spending time with I mean, I just did it yesterday on the side of I-44, you know, uh, just spending time with people, explaining to them, you know, what you know, what what goes on out on the streets you know, and, and give them a little bit of insight. You know, I'd probably say there probably needs to be a little bit more of that. Sometimes our our genre is a little closed-lipped, um, you know, when it comes to what we truly run into at night, you know, out on the highway or in the neighborhoods or whatnot. trying to educate that, uh, to educate people. But, you know,
0: the problem is people wouldn't believe when you tell them some of these stories <laughs> and the things that you've seen, yeah. the wrecks you work, the bodies yeah. – the abuse, the stuff people, people can't fathom that. And because they can't fathom that, they can't fathom why it takes men and women. You know, what was that Edmund Burke saying uh, for evil to triumph? All it takes is for good yeah, men to do nothing. You know, to do nothing. That's right.
2: Yeah. right. yeah. I've got, I've actually got that pulled up here on the screen. We show that at every presentation, especially law enforcement, because you're the people that did not choose to do nothing. You chose to make a difference. And, and you know, the, uh, and, and I'm going to get on my soapbox and our listeners have heard this before, but to me, becoming a public servant is a badge of honor because you have chosen a career in which you're serving the public you're not serving yourself now we do have a few bad apples that get involved in that and and Morgan and I make this plain on every podcast we do nobody hates a bad cop more than a good cop but uh, you know where's that where that badge is a badge of honor because everybody else is out there is out for themselves you know, it's out for them and their families, but here in, in the military and first responders, uh, whatever it might be that where you're serving the public, God bless you, man. That is a true calling. Uh, you know, the Bible says, "Blessed are the peacemakers," so they should they should be called the children of That's God. Right. So. I'm real proud of it. Well since here. we're
0: throwing out sayings, my other favorite one is uh people sleep peacefully in their bed at night because rough men and now women stand ready to do violence on their behalf. And I tell you, tell you what,
1: I know, I'm telling you, I'm a better person just to be in the room with some of these people. I know some of those people and I'm telling you right now we are we are safer because we got them. And I'm not I mean, I go out and do my thing in in my little realm, you know, and but I tell you, I know some 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 cops that that are just absolutely heroes, and they go out and just get it, and and they go hunt down, get her done. Bad bad man now, and and I tell you, we we have got to have those people, you know. Yep.
2: Yeah, a lot of those people we've had on Game of Crimes. I mean, yep. this, yes. this is a, we have a roster of all. <laughs> I stars tell you, my favorite
1: one is is our is our Arkansas fishing game guy, Mike Neal. Buddy, I, I saw him in person. What a great story. Y'all did great with that one, you know? Well, I had the chance to award Mike
0: uh, when I first met him, was at the uh, ICP conference, the International Association Chief of Police. Him and another guy were getting Police Officer of the Year, and I had the chance to do that award uh, for him yep. with that time, the Secretary of DHS, Janet Napolitano, and the Chief. him and I had a long discussion, and then we brought him on. And you're right. I mean, you get people like that. It's like, here's a guy who drove 50 miles, had to fill up with gas, and because he filled up with gas, that's what put that's him into right. place. You know to be
1: able to do. i never he forgot that. That was a great story, and that, and that you know Brandon Powder, that really hit close to home. That whole deal, not too far from you know where we're at, and that was a tragedy. You know, so well. Let's you know. talk about
0: you now. Let's 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 finish up with. Uh, we see that you've got the Oklahoma Bureau of Narcotics. Yep. So what are you we doing? In. Didn't, didn't you have enough dope to deal? with? Didn't you have enough <laughs> shit to deal with? Why did you go Man, dive I, in I t- it again?
1: I tell you what, I, uh, I I talk about leadership. We've got a director right now. His name's Donnie Anderson, and he's probably one of the best leaders I've I've seen in a long time. Uh, he's he is over you know, over the OBN and has done great things with OBN. He, he approached me, uh, a few years ago and, and asked me to, you know, if I thought about, you know, how close I was to retirement and, and, and coming to work for him and to, and what he ultimately wanted was, was for me to manage a, uh, uh, a interdiction unit on the east side of the state. And, and I said, absolutely. I'd love to do that. So I had, uh, I had 27 years with the patrol and I just went ahead and pulled the plug and applied for them. And, and I, I was the last six years of the, on the patrol, I was a TFO with DEA. And and so I, I naturally was able to, to, to go right over into the Tulsa OBN office and, and, and do the same thing and, and just investigate cases in plain clothes, you know, until we could get this interdiction deal propped up and just about, a month and a half ago, I got I got my unit. You know, got my Tahoe, got my uniform, and and uh, so I've been with OBN for for two years, and and now we're we're starting this interdiction unit on the east side of the state. We've got one in the central central part. You know, there's seven guys on it, and so we're just so you're going to
0: compete now with the state patrol.
1: Oh, we're kicking their butt. <laughs> <laughs> actually you know just the opposite so so some of the guys that i worked with there you know some of them retired, but like one of them is a supervisor there and so now we're 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 working together as a team you know and and really making a good day we're working it's it's really fun i never thought you know that i would be doing what I'm doing.
0: Well, see, I and, can see how this works. Y'all get together for coffee and donuts. Yeah. we are stereotyping and you go, okay, this week you guys work dope. We'll take money next week. We'll take dope. You work money. Much. You know, we'll just, <laughs> you, know, you go one way on the interstate. We'll go it's, the other. It's yeah?
1: really awesome. Well, in fact, We're working uh, an emphasis next week over on I-40 together, the patrol and, and us. And, good times, man. Well, I got to tell you, let's, we need to finish up, but I got to tell you one of my favorite
0: stories. And I used to see people say, what are some of the tactics? And one of the best ones, I think, I don't know if it came out of Texas or Florida or whatever, but they set up you know, some cars and they set up in an area where there was a double yellow line on the highway and they said narcotics inspection, lane ahead, canines in use. And all they waited was for the people to make an illegal U-turn and there was your reasonable suspicion oh, for a yeah. stop. And they, they and here's the funny part. There were no dogs. It was just a sign. Just a
1: sign. Yeah. Create, creative. Creative.
2: And just to uh, we we talked about Diap, that's the Drug Interdiction Assistance Program. Yes. So, for our listeners, just so you know, what and
1: that TFO is. was
0: Task Force Officer. So, uh, but I think people by now have heard this. Hey, well, look, dude, um, this great stuff. I'm glad uh, you survived. By the way, there's this dude. Do you know this dude named Wayne Stunnett? Oh man, he's <laughs> at the <a laughs> office, Father Wayne, as I <laughs> call him.
2: I was actually texting him here as we were talking. Yeah. He's he speaks very highly. Well, he's, have
1: you asked him? Have you asked him about the crocodile? You know, I saw yeah, that that's a title of his deal. I, no, I'm not. <laughs>
0: you should, You should go, You want to talk about stuff you don't see very often, like oh, the yeah. standoff? Yeah. Go ask Wayne about finding a crocodile. I certainly a will. Story.
2: <laughs> I certainly will. I'm pretty sure you won't hear that on any other crude crime no. podcast anywhere <laughs> in the world. not <laughs> hear that. All
0: right. So we dedicate this to your partner. We dedicate this to your father. Um, yeah. uh, and tell Valhalla we will have a drink in their honor. Tonight. So, uh, but hey, man, dude, this is us saluting you. Keep up the good work. And if I if I happen to get out that way, I may end up in Wichita flying through. Uh Tulsa's not that far away. Um hey, by the way, did you ever run into Mr. Famous now, Styx Larson from Tulsa PD? Oh
1: yeah, I've run into him. We I actually I actually uh landed him as a speaker at, at a conference a year or so ago. And yeah. They, well Murph and I have both done his podcast, Cops and
2: We need co- co- to bring him co- on Game of Crimes.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. That, that's just what he needs, something else to make him look cool. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there we go. Okay, we're
1: going
0: to have to, on that note, we're going to talk about that later. All right. Well, look, uh, you guys. Honor, truly ahead,
2: honor having you on here, Branson. Thank you very much, brother. Thank it's, you. Uh, this has been one of the fastest interviews we've been through, I think. It was, this was hilarious. Move. Thank along. you for your transparency. Being oh, able yeah. to laugh at I, yourself.
1: You bet. Anytime. I I love the craft and and the men that that allowed me to you know teach me this kind of stuff. I I, I don't know. I've got the best. As as uh, one guy says, uh, I think his name was uh, uh, Keith Aramia, Arkansas State Police. He said we have the 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 front row seat of the greatest show on earth you know there you go. damn skippy I believe man. that every bit of it
0: <laughs> absolutely alright well thank you man you guys don't go anywhere everyone else stay tuned for the debrief get your guns boys <laughs>
2: Well, you talk about a memorable career. What a way to start! A standoff <laughs> with job job few like months.
0: <laughs> well, and and the lady, I get it. She was a nice lady, and he ended up running into her later. But uh, d- I tell you what, as a trooper, I used to cut a lot of breaks. But that's one of those where it would have been like, you failed to pull over. All you had to do was stop real quickly, give me the thirty second. Hey, here's my badge. Here's what I got going on. It would have been okay. You know, see ya. Mm-hmm. But this, you know, anyway. But yeah. To have that kind of a standoff, you know, and you just brand new out on the road. He's like, nobody ever trained me for this one, boss.
2: <laughs> well, you know, we mentioned in the intro that that Branson is physically a big man. And it was funny his description about how that sheriff was going around. And, Are you the trooper? Are you the trooper? And he got to Branson. He just kind of had to look up at him and turn around and walked away.
0: <laughs> As we used to say in Kansas, that boy's so big it takes two people to look at him.
2: There you go. Uh, you know, in this case, the discretion was a better part of valor for that sheriff, I'm sure.
0: And it worked out. But again, as you see, you know, he's he's made a career out of it now. He's doing a lot of good work with OB&E. By the way, the only reason they call it the A-1 conference, it gets confused with the uh – Um, you know, food channel, you know, hey, this is the A1 conference. You get all these people showing up. Hey, where's my steak? Uh, It's the Association of Oklahoma Narcotics Enforcers. The only reason is because you can be the first one in the phone book, as they used to say. Why was every business named AAA and A1 and A plus? Because they wanted to be first. Listen, anyway, so A1, very good. A1 and uh, Branson, not Brandon uh, Perry, Pinchot. You know what? BP, Brandon Pinchot, Branson Perry. I have no idea
2: what you're talking about. Let's close the show out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Saturday. It goes back to Saturday. Friend friend adventure. Anyway, hope you guys enjoyed that episode. If you did, head on over to that Apple and that Spotify. Hit those five stars. Always make sure you hit the click to download it too automatically. It helps us out. It helps you out. It helps your friends out. Look, it just helps the world. It helps reduce global warming and uh, saves the planet. I just thought I'd make that outrageous claim because we can. Anyway, also head on over to uh Before we put a lot of our stuff there, including our books, our merch, you're going to find out our bonus episode we just had with Kathy Reichs, author of The Bone Hacker, her 22nd novel, inspiration mm-hmm. for the Fox long running series on Fox called Bones. Also, follow us on that thing they call social media, at Game of Crimes on Twitter, Game of Crimes podcast on Facebook and the Instagram. Uh, also, make sure you go to Game of Crimes fans, type that into Facebook, join our club, our favorite mafia queen, Sandy Salvato. We'll uh, do uh, just, you know, Iron Fist, Velvet Glove, will determine if you're worthy of entrance, and she will do that. Uh, but also, Patreon, patreon.com slash Game of Crimes. We just did a 90-minute version of Q&A, and we had a lot of good questions, a lot of things we knew about, a lot of things we had to do some research on, but as we always promise, we answer every question, don't we, Murph?
2: We have not turned down a, a single question yet, and this one even had some uh, questions about our families, and we answered.
0: Yeah. Got hey, you know what check we're going to do? Out. And guys, one of the other cool things too, do, some people do stuff for us. Let me just play you a few seconds of uh, some stuff we got from our buddy... Alex Hall called Apollo's Mind. Here, just listen to 10 seconds of this. Listen to this faint, awesome outro music. So we could use that Murph and say thank you guys once again for playing the biggest, baddest, most dangerous, and trooper friendly game of all the Game of Crimes.